0: Welcome to episode six of the Arbor Vitae podcast, promoting virtue in woodworking. I'm Adam Taylor.
1: And I'm Jonathan Conrad.
0: And we'll be your co-hosts for today. Our mission is to explore how different virtues influence the way we live and work in the shop, how virtues contribute to the fruitfulness of our labor, and to highlight those who are making significant contributions to this great woodworking community.
1: Jonathan, what do you have going on in your shop? Well, I've got... It's winding down. Couple of days before Christmas, uh, finishing up m- pretty much all family orders, um, but projects for <clears throat> uh, my aunt, my wife, uh, sister-in-law. Just trying to wrap those up. So I'll be uh, I'll be finishing up a bunch of frames uh, tonight and tomorrow night, and then uh, it's not on my bench yet, but in the car I have uh, over a hundred board feet of walnut uh, for the bed that I'm about to make. So I'm pretty nice. excited about that. Um, and, uh, the last thing is the box, which I've, I talked about in a previous episode. Uh, it's got the mitered miter and finger joint, uh, ends, and it was going really great until last night when I tried to put the hinges on and the brass screw heads just snapped off like, like a twig. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated, because that's happened to me before. And I, given that, you know, again, the, 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 the box sides are hickory. I probably should have seen it coming. I didn't. Um, but it is a prototype. It's always been the plan for it to be a prototype. It was a Uh learning project. So I'm going to spend some time thinking about different ways that I can do box hinges. Um, the The goal of the project i'll I'll reveal when it's when it's done, um, but I'm thinking that I might try and actually do more of a, a a more basic hinge that is basically use the box itself and just put in two brass pins to mm-hmm. pin the two the top and the bottom together. Okay. Uh, so what I'll have to do is I'll probably have to cut away some of the wood, glue in a, a riser block, basically uh, to replace that section so that the top drops below the edge into the bottom. Um, so that there's an overlap and then drive the two pins from the sides into join the top to the bottom. Okay. So that's what I'm thinking. Um, so, you know, it's, again, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a prototype project or a, you know, a learning, learning project. So when I get some free time, I'll, I'll continue to work on it and, uh, uh, good practice in, uh, patience and, uh, and fortitude. So, uh, so that's what I've got going on. What about you, Adam?
0: Um, I am also working on a few last minute Christmas presents, uh, which is nice because, you know, we've been working on this bunk bed lately and it's nice, but it's hard to do, like, you kind of have to set aside a day to work on it, you know. Like it's it's hard, especially with the shop being half an hour away, which our listeners will know that. Um, it's hard to just go and work on something quickly, especially with a, on a project that size. Um, but we're we're really we're nearing the completion of the full bed that's on the bottom. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited with that and our dad's been helping out, but, um, I did get a chance to go into the shop for just like two nights this week and knock out some quick Christmas presents. Um, I think I can say what they are because the people, I, you know, I'm not going to say who they're going to, but, uh, are picture frames and I'm also not going to say what's going in the picture frames. So, um, I, I think we'll be fine, but it's, uh, it's just some red Oak that I had lying around from the uh, prayer kneeler build that I did a while back. Um, okay. and it was kind of a last minute idea. Um, we had gotten the things that are going in the crisp, in the picture frames a while ago, but then, you know, I, I was kind of assuming that with the bunk bed going on, I would not have time to build the frames. And so I'd have to give them in like store bought frames, but, you know, the opportunity hit and I'm always, you know, eager for an excuse to go out into the shop. And of course, being a woodworker, I'd much rather give a frame that I built than go out and buy a frame and give it to someone. So
1: (laughs) I'm with you on that one. Having made the number of frames that I've made, I mean, I've probably made over a hundred. I Mm -hmm. just, I can't do it. I cannot justify, even if I don't have the time, I'd rather wait than, you know, go buy a cheap frame right right um so good for you
0: yeah and so it's a little frustrating because the the miters aren't coming out quite as well as i would have liked but unfortunately my my deadline is looming so um i don't have the opportunity to address those problems yet so what i want to do is is um you know after the bunk beds are done and then you know the the other commissions that i have uh at some point i'd like to take a look and and address like the miter sled that i have and um try to figure out where the problem's coming from but um i have sort of I, i've really only made one other picture frame per se and it was it was kind of a design that i came up myself i came up with myself and it's very simple but I really, really like it, so I'll have to um, I'll have to post a picture up um, when they're done and when they've been given out as presents, um, so that you can see the design. But it's basically like imagine imagine like a a square, well, like a rectangular frame with no no profile or anything. So you just have like a, okay. a rectangular frame, and then the only profile is. Um, they're about an inch and a half wide, and then about five eighths of an inch in from the outside, there starts a slope downward, um, like a long irregular chamfer. Well, I mean it's a regular chamfer, but it's not like a forty-five degree chamfer. It's more like a thirty-degree okay. chamfer. So it's like a, a gentle chamfer in, and I found leading that into it's,
1: the inside of the frame.
0: Yeah, leading into the the content, you know, what it, whatever is in the frame, I and can so I've. I like it a lot because not only, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of deceptively easy looking. Like it, you have to, you really have to plan out. I didn't plan out so well, um, (laughs) this time, but you have to plan out when you make all of the cuts in sequence so that, uh, all of the parts are supported well enough on the table saw Mm -hmm. when you cut them, um, so I did not do that so well, and it it was a near disaster, but I managed to avert that crisis. <laughs> so, um, but it's it's Picture very simple. frames are
1: tricky. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but it lets the grain of the wood speak for itself, and the only decoration then is that sort of lead in, so it kind of draws your eye. You know, if you look at the frame first, your eye is then drawn in because of the chamfer to what's in the frame. And... You know, picture frames, my philosophy with picture frames is, obviously, you don't want to have just a crappy frame that's thrown together and stuff. Like, you want the frame to be nice, but you don't want the frame to detract from the picture itself. So I tend to favor simpler profiles anyway. So um, anyway, it it turned out pretty nice, but that's that's basically all I have going on.
1: (laughs) I did have a question
0: about your box, though. Um, Yeah. So for the, for these hinges, I know you said that they were brass screws. Did you put in steel screws before the brass? No. To cut, to cut
1: the threads. You know what? That's a really good idea, actually. In other words, find the same size steel screws, Mm -hmm. put those in first. Yes. And then put the brass ones in. You know, that's a really good idea. And the other thing I should have thought about is that my shop is cold. Okay. So they were probably more brittle.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. Well, I know, um, I, I don't know where you got your your hardware from, but um, my favorite hinge manufacturer at this moment is Bruso Hardware, um, and it they're really expensive, <clears throat> you know, compared to the hinges that you can buy at like you know the home center or whatever. But they're they're machined from brass stock. Um, it's a nice, thick, substantial hinge, and I think like a a small box hinge, um. Like what I made on the tea chest that I put on Instagram a while back was, um, mm-hmm. I want to say they were like $30 or so for the pair of hinges. So yeah. it's it's substantially more expensive, but um, they're just, they're machined really well. Both leaves are in even thickness and they even include steel screws that are the same size as the brass screws for that express really? purpose. Yeah. So you, basically what I always do when I install them is um, I will wax the steel screw and I will drive that. I mean, obviously, you drive a, you drill a pilot hole. I'll wax the steel screw and put that in. And so not only does that cut the threads, but it kind of it adds a little bit of wax in there. Then I will w- back those out, wax the brass screw, and put those in. And so far, knock on wood, I have not had one snap on me since I started.
1: Really wish that. we had this conversation last night, Adam. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, you can't win them all.
1: <laughs> nope, but... That's good to know. Uh, And I think that's good advice for anybody that uh, the next time anybody goes out there, especially if you haven't made a box yet with tiny hinges, I think we've all fought with them and cursed them. Right. So that's definitely good advice. I appreciate you sharing that. Sure. Sorry about that. (laughs) That's all right. Uh, So... um...
0: Uh, moving on, um, <laughs> we had uh, kind of a, a big response to um, last episode's challenge. Um, so there were there were a lot of people posting about that um, about social media and hope and how how you use social media. So we wanted to um, to thank everyone who responded, especially uh, Chris, Aaron, and Joseph. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Which brings us to this episode's topic: family and charity, which is going to prove to be a very interesting topic, I think. Um, We do have a definition for charity, you know, because we are prepared now with these things. Um, Jonathan, would you like to read that?
1: Sure. So charity is the theological virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. By loving one another, the disciples imitate the love of Jesus, which they themselves receive. The practice of all the virtues is animated and inspired by charity which binds everything together in perfect harmony.
0: Excellent. It really speaks to woodworking, I think, because I know very, very few people who woodwork solely for themselves. In fact, I, I can't think of a single person that I know who woodworks solely for themselves. You're always working for you know, a client or a family member, or, you know, even if it's something that you put in your own house, unless you're, you know, living on your own, um, it's going to be used by somebody else. Um, so not only does it tie in well to our topic for today, but I think woodworking in general is kind of a charitable activity in that it, you almost always have someone else in mind while you're doing it.
1: And that's the beauty of woodworking and why it was so easy to to put this podcast together and highlight virtue and woodworking, because the two are so closely aligned uh, Mm -hmm. that I think it's really difficult to 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 continually pursue the woodworking trade and stay away from virtue. Right. It's ingrained in woodworking.
0: Yeah, Definitely. And and charity in and of itself is a very universal virtue as well because, you know, it's easy to talk about it from a religious perspective, but even if you're not religious, you still strive to love your neighbor. You know, we all strive to love our neighbor and we fail, you know, those of us who are, are religious, we fail just as much, um, but that's, that's our goal. We, we love our neighbor. That's what we aim for. And in woodworking, we can all do that in a very tangible way. Um, yeah, so it's easy to be able to demonstrate that.
1: And the reason why we wanted to pair charity with family, you know, obviously everyone is in a different place in life. Some, you know, some are maybe woodworkers in high school or college or on their own. Others are married. There are men, there are women. Many of us have, uh, you know, spouses and children, you know, what we can bring to the conversation is our experience. And so for us as mostly hobbyist woodworkers uh, and family men, you know, for us, that is that is our primary circle uh, of those who are our loved ones, those who are closest to us. Uh, and so as, you know, as we always mention in other episodes, we certainly want to hear from the rest of our listeners, especially those who come from a different perspective as either a professional woodworker uh, or somebody who is, uh, you know, earlier on in life uh, and on their own, maybe, yes. you know, how how charity plays a role in, in their shop. Uh, because we, like I said, we all bring a unique perspective and we certainly want to hear those, uh, because I think we can all learn from, uh, the different places that each of us come from.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The more information we can sort of gather as a community and put out there, um, to, to help other people, I think the better off we'll all be. So, um, we've kind of narrowed it down you know, as we usually have lately, um, we've narrowed it down into three major areas in which you can give in charity with woodworking. Um, and, and especially in regards to your family. Uh, and that is something that probably everyone who is listening is going to be familiar with this, this phrase, but time, talent, and treasure, you know, we've all kind of heard that those are the ways we can give. Well, we're going to talk about how we can give in those ways with our woodworking to our families. Um, so the first thing that we want to talk about is treasure. How we can give with our treasure, and how we should be good stewards of our treasure, um, especially you know when our family is uh, taken into account. Um, and so, <laughs> one thing that I kind of want to mention—I'm sure that all of our listeners have heard this—but there's this old joke that goes around that says, you know, something something along the lines of, "My greatest fear is that when I die." My wife will sell my tools for what I told her I paid for them, <laughs> and, and it's funny. Don't get me wrong; like it's it's really funny because you know, I think we all at least know someone who has maybe fibbed about how much something costs just so that they can get it in their shop, um, or you know, the guys who will buy a new tool, put it in their shop, throw a bunch of sawdust over it. And then if anyone comes into the shop and asks about it, they'd be like, oh yeah, that's, that's been here forever. Um, you know, <laughs> that so old
1: thing. yeah,
0: yeah. That Oh, that old thing. Um, but really that is not a charitable thing to do. And it, it's not a, um, it doesn't respect your, your family, you know, your spouse or your, your family. Um, because it, you know, we feel, we view it from a different perspective. We feel that you should be, um, open and honest and upfront about the scope of your hobby and especially about the use of finances, whether you're using your family's finances, like you have everything all in one pot and you just pull as you're able to fund the woodworking hobby or if you have a dedicated woodworking fund.
1: Yeah. And it really, you know, it's because <clears throat> primarily it keeps you honest, Mm-mm. uh, you know, for for me, kind of looking back a couple of years ago, I remember very specifically, there were a couple of times where, you know, I had just gotten a big payment for a, a project and I was pretty excited. And, you know, the list of tools that I wanted was endless. And, I, you know, it's like I went on an online shopping binge. But I remember, like, I... There were, if I, let's say I ordered five or six things, I sent two or three of them to work, you know, because I have, I can mail things to my name at my office, um, and then I can load them up in my car and bring them home. And so I'd send a couple of things to the house, but then I would send a couple of things to work. Uh. And if I think back on what what drove that, I mean, it was a little bit of, I felt a little bit of shame, kind of, that I... I didn't want, you know, I didn't want my wife to see that because I felt a little bit bad about, you know, how much I had spent in all the things that I had just purchased. And it wasn't that in, there was anything necessarily wrong with the things I was purchasing. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to have the conversation. And the disappointing part in that is that I kind of robbed my wife of the opportunity to participate more actively in this passion and hobby of mine sure where i guarantee you if i had sat down with her and said you know hey carrie these are the things that i want to purchase here's why i think i i need these things what do you think about it she would have said sure that makes a lot of sense or she may have challenged me on on one or two of them and said you know how many how often are you going to use that but the, the thing is is that as husband and wife you know we are one uh and so Certainly, that doesn't mean that if I'm a woodworker, therefore, she must be a woodworker, but that we are complements to each other. And my strengths complement her strengths. And so I'm robbing myself of the opportunity to share this, this passion of mine with her by excluding, uh, intentionally excluding her from it. Um, and so it's something that I, you know, I did a couple of times and I really didn't feel good about it. And I'm not perfect at it, certainly, um, but f- at some point I made an, an intentional decision to say, if I'm going to be spending money in the shop, even if it's money that I've made from woodworking, I want to include her more and certainly not hide anything from her Right. Um, because I want to be respectful of, of the family and that it isn't my money, it's our money, all of it's our money, even though, even if I made it from the shop, you know, the family, it's like, I don't want to separate woodworking from the family. Um, and so I've tried to make a conscious choice. Certainly I I don't send things to work. Um, or, you know, I try not to. Um, and if I do, usually it's maybe it's just because it's easier, but I very rarely do that nowadays. Um, and the thing is, is my wife has never once said to me, what on earth have you purchased? Why are you purchasing all these things? Um, you know, if anything, it's an opportunity for when it does come, I get to, I get to be excited about it versus have to hide my excitement because I tried to hide it from her. Right. Where she can, in she can share in that joy and, and excitement, uh, even if she doesn't know what it is, you know, excitement is contagious. And so really from a, you know, from a, a treasure standpoint, you know, it's, it's a challenge to be intentionally inclusive versus exclusive with your family, especially if you are married, your spouse, uh, because, you know, speaking from experience, I can certainly say that the more that I include Carrie in the conversations and in the things that I'm doing, the, the the more beautiful it is, uh, and the more rewarding it is certainly. And, Um, So, you know, that's that's really the the challenge and the encouragement is to to be intentional about how much you include your family in in the conversations around uh, uh, finances, especially, uh, uh, because I I think it's it's definitely a rewarding activity and it keeps you honest.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I think I think it's important, especially when you're married, um, if you, you know, and, and you share finances. Um, it's important to have you know a, a very frank and open discussion with your spouse about how much time and money and space you're going to invest in your hobby and I think part of that harkens back to the very first episode of this pro- podcast which was purpose. Um, you know you need to know your purpose as a woodworker why you're doing this, before you can prudently discern how much time and money and space you want to invest and i think the more open you are with the other people who need your money <laughs> the the less reason you're going to have to tiptoe around and hide things because if you think about it why do we hide things it's because you know to a, a greater or lesser extent we feel guilty about it and it's like mm-hmm. oh well if i tell my wife about this she's going to she's going to gripe. Well, why is she griping? It's because, you know, if you really think that she's going to have a problem with it, then, okay, listen. Listen to what right. her problem is with it. You There know, might be and some validity
1: to that. <laughs>
0: right. And it's not saying that, you know, every time your wife says, you know, you shouldn't be buying this, you have to not buy it. But, you know, it, it should be a decision that you make together. Um, and so,
1: you know. Well, and I would also say that I would challenge anyone who might think that way to say, how do you know how often like I, I challenge you and say, I bet you're wrong. Right. I bet you you know, your spouse might have a different opinion, um, than you might think. And if you include them more in those conversations, I think you might be pleasantly surprised, uh, more often than not. And to your point, if they, if, you know, if your spouse does have a legitimate concern, there's probably legitimacy to it and it's probably (laughs) worth listening and taking it to heart. Uh, Any kind of major decision that you're making, especially if you're married, two heads are always better than one. Mm -hmm. And you know, you really, it's like you're, again, you're kind of robbing yourself of a second, a second input. And so it's almost like, even if you're on your own, you know, it might be, of value to kind of have like an accountability partner with you, a partner in crime that kind of that you share your woodworking journey with and could kind of bounce ideas off of. And, 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 and almost like I'm going to talk to you about some of the things that I'm doing to keep myself honest because we don't do well on our own. Yeah. And, and one of the things
0: that will help with that is, you know, a lot of these, um, disagreements can stem from especially if your spouse is not a woodworker or interested or involved in woodworking um it might be a misunderstanding you know they may not realize they may just see you buying tool after tool and to them they all kind of blend together and they say well why do you need all these tools you have so many tools now you know mm-hmm. and it might be an opportunity for you to say oh well these are the tools that I use for this, but in this project that I have coming up, I need to be able to do this. And, you know, I'm not able to do that well or efficiently or or whatever with the tools that I have. So this new tool that I want to buy is, you know, it can do this for this project, and then I'll be able to use it for these things in the future. And, you know, it's, like you said, it's a way of, of kind of including your family in what you're doing and, you know, sharing in the joy, but also in brainstorming. Because, you know, one of the things that we've also talked about is the ability to use um, the tools that you have. And so if you're trying to justify this new tool, you know, in talking about it, you may realize a way that you could get that operation
1: done without buying the new tool, um, mm-hmm. you know, or, or... And save that money for a more important one.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So so there, there are a myriad of things that could happen, but it's always a good idea to be open and honest. And one of the things that we very strongly advocate here is having a separate woodworking account. Um, you know, and, and my philosophy, which I've shared on here before, but I think it, it is good enough to, um, bear repeating is, you know, the, the money that's in my woodworking account is only for woodworking if it's not needed for anything else. So it's it's you know if we were to have some sort of financial hardship as a family, um, some need arises that we were not able to plan for in our regular budget. Boom, no hesitation whatsoever. Money comes out of the woodworking account because ultimately it is a hobby for me. It's not a business. Um, I don't have you know, with very few exceptions, I don't have clients waiting on projects that need to get done or bad things are going to happen. You know, it's, it's just a hobby. So, you know, my family's welfare is more important than me getting tools or wood or, or whatever. So, um, but it it can be something that helps you to sort of budget and, and only put money toward your hobby that can really actually afford to go toward your hobby.
1: And think of it this way. The woodworking account, if you consider opening one is not to protect your woodworking money from the family, but to protect (laughs) the family from the, the cost of, of running a shop. Right. Uh, you know, in that (laughs) if it's not in the account, you can't spend the money. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now you can certainly have a conversation again, if you're married with your spouse and say, Hey, you know, there's this, there's this, there's this tool I need or materials that I need for this project. And I don't have the money in the account right now, but I, I think it's really important. That's a really admirable and great conversation to have. Um, Uh, You know, but certainly what we're advocating as far as a woodworking account is more (laughs) to keep yourself honest and protect the family's assets than it is to protect your woodworking assets. So, uh, so Adam, you mentioned time, talent and treasure. We just covered treasure. Mm -hmm. Um, What about time?
0: Time is, is interesting because, you know, we tend to think of woodworking as being a very solitary activity and You know, we all bemoan the fact that we have too little time to be in the shop. Um, But one of the things that I hear a lot of people complain about is, oh, well, I only have so much time to be in the shop because I also need to be with my family, you know, Um, and, you know, I also have work and I also have, you know, all, all these other things. Well, one of the ways that you can get around that and in turn be charitable is, to whatever degree is appropriate in your situation, invite your kids, your spouses, you know, whatever, whatever, what have you, into the shop with you. Um, not all the time, because you know, for a lot of us, the shop is this sort of oasis from daily life, and you know, shop time is me time. It's it's relaxing time. It's you know, it's got kind of a meditative quality where we can kind of let go of all the problems of life, but. From time to time, especially if you feel like, you know, you want to be in the shop, but you're not able to spend as much time with your family as you like, have them in the shop. Um You know, there's a big difference between, especially as far as kids are concerned. Um, And and I'm probably not the best one to speak to this because I don't have kids yet. Um, But Jonathan, I know you can speak to it. There's a difference, mm-hmm. there's a certain difference between having your kids in the shop to work on a project that you are working on and having your kids into the shop to work on a project. That's just for them.
1: Right. Um, And I mean, both of those things I think are valuable. And, and, you know, think about our interview with Tyler uh, Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, or I guess it's probably been over a month now. Uh, But you know, you see, if you watch his YouTube videos, his kids are in the shop with him all the time. Why? Because they actually love it. They're getting quality time with their dad. You know, you don't necessarily see it in the YouTube videos always, but, you know, I've been there with him. They play, they have an active role in the projects. Uh, he's constantly teaching them things and he's inspiring and, and really encouraging and fostering a love of creating things with your hands. And there's so much beauty in that because there's such a strong tendency, especially, you know, as a, a uh, as a parent of young children, to just do whatever is easiest. Oh, it's too much hassle to have them in the shop. Well, it's a hassle (laughs) because you haven't spent the time to practice how to have them in the shop safely and enjoyably. And again, there is certainly value in having rest, relaxation, uh, recharging, you know, solitude. Those things are important for men and women. Um, And so we certainly don't want to discourage that. I would encourage that. Uh, What we're really saying is, you know, if you expand your scope of shop time to beyond just, I can only be in the shop if it's just me, you're going to have more time in the shop. Right. It won't always be on everything that you want to do. It's not going to go necessarily the way that you want to go with it. But if I look back over the last six months on the times that I've had the most fun in the shop, the one thing that that comes to my mind is this is a month or month ago I think. Uh, our, my my boys are really into ninja stuff right now. They love Ninja <laughs> Turtles. They go to ninja class once a week, which is basically what? gymnastics for boys. It's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, they're learning like you know ninja roll instead of somersaults, and oh. you know how to how to like scale like literally run up a wall. Oh, that's um, so cool! I mean, cool. it's it's awesome. But they run around like ninjas all the time. So anyways, we were watching a Ninja Turtles episode and Bebop and Rocksteady come out and, and, you know, they've got those Uzis and they're, you know, they're trying to shoot up everybody. (laughs) And so like later that day, Matthew looks at me and he says, daddy, I want one of those guns with the two handles. (laughs) What are you, what are you talking about? And, you know, he tries to explain it to me and eventually I'm like, oh, that one. So we go out in the shop, you know, grab a doll rod, you know, a thicker doll rod. Okay. uh draw a handle on a two by four uh cut it out uh on what do we use We actually use mostly hand tools, but that's really helped in bringing them into the shop because a they're a lot safer right. they're not as loud um and I mean that's really basically it so a handsaw uh and a couple of I think I used the jigsaw maybe for a part of it uh but it was basically you know some basic stuff and then put it all together with a hot glue gun. And in less than 30 minutes, we had a finished product that he absolutely loved. Wow. And it's like, I remember that more than I remember. It's like, I remember that very vividly. I don't remember the other things necessarily, all the things that I've done in the shop since then, but I certainly remember that. And so it's really, you know, if you think about how can I incorporate my family into this passion and hobby of mine there's a reason why you're drawn to it because it's awesome and because it's a beautiful thing and because you're using your hands um and you're creating beautiful things i think every child should be exposed to that i mean and actually they used to be up until you know probably more recently i mean woodshop used to be part of education
0: right right uh
1: i don't know very many schools that still have that which is you know i would say a tragedy um but anytime kids can be exposed to, to tools and the creative process and imagination and engineering, it is a wonderful and beautiful thing. Um, and, you know, for me, like, I don't do it enough. I'll be honest. Uh, why? Because for that reason that I it requires me to spend a little bit of time thinking about how can I incorporate them safely and enjoyably into the shop that does require some. It re- does require you to be intentional Mm-hmm. Uh, but the times that I do, uh, it's really, really fun. And the other thing is, is that, you know, I've got three boys. If I can get all three boys out in the shop, it's like a gift to my wife. <laughs> like, Hey, I'm going to go out in the shop. You're not going to hear from us for an hour or two, whatever it is. It's like, take a break, relax, or do whatever it is that you've been wanting to do all week, but you couldn't because the kids were driving you crazy. <laughs> um, you know, cause there are things that you can do with the, with the boys and there are other things that, uh, is, is horribly counterproductive. Uh, and so, you know, think about that also as I can actually spend some time in the shop and give my, you know, my spouse, you know, especially if, you know, you, you you spend your week in the office working, your wife's at home with the kids or something like that. Saturday, if I can take the boys in the shop for a couple of hours, that's a, that's a great gift for her. Um, uh, so, Those are all things to consider about how to be charitable with your time, especially in the shop, especially as a family man. But we'd certainly love to hear from others who have a different uh, perspective on how they have found ways to use their time charitably, whether it's with their family or friends or even clients.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And so the the last sort of prong of our approach to being charitable with your family is uh, is talent. And so as woodworkers, we have a certain set of talents that are are awesome. You know, we we all know that. But um, they're really awesome when you can use them for the service of your family. And so um, what we want to talk about is taking the opportunity to build for your family versus for clients or for yourself. And again, this is coming from our perspective, which is as a hobbyist woodworker. If you woodwork professionally, then you know, it's the the shoemaker's children running around with no shoes on. Like, you don't have time (laughs) to spend. Like, you you really can't spend the time to woodwork for, you know, your family. But if you're a hobbyist, you know, um, it's very nice to be able to build something for your family. And a lot of you do this already. Um, And again, we're not saying that that's all you have to do. But, you know, from time to time, um, you know, you can either involve them in the planning and the design you know, get them excited about it, get their input, see, you know, what kinds of things they like or not, you know, it can just be something that you kind of surprise them with. But either way, you know, they're going to feel loved and appreciated because you've been thinking about them while you're in the shop. You know, all this time that you spend on your hobby, all this, this me time that you have, you were thinking about them, you know, you were building something for them. And I think that that's, that's a very meaningful gift you know, because it's, it's not just the finished product, but it's all of your time that went into it. Um, and I have a, a little story about this that's kind of still unfolding because I haven't had a chance to actually build the thing yet. But <laughs> um, <clears throat> when my wife and I got married, um, I, you know, as part of the sort of frank and honest discussion that we had about you know, woodworking, um, and, and we still have, it's not like a one and done thing. We still talk about it, but, um, I mentioned that one of my eventual goals, you know, sort of a bucket list thing is it would be really cool if I could replace every piece of furniture in our house with something that I have made. And I know that that's a very daunting task. And unless you're like the green brothers, um, you know, it's, (laughs) it's, you know, maybe not the most realistic thing, but it's a goal to work towards. It's certainly
1: an admiral goal. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just imagine, look, you know, walking through your house and and just looking at every piece of furniture and the memories that come with that, you know, the memories of building it, the memories of the time in the shop. Um, And so... One of the things that we talked about was, you know, my wife is not a woodworker. She <laughs> has never been interested in that, except as much as, you know, she's interested in what I'm interested in because we love each other, you know. But, um, so I, I asked her, you know, what kind of styles of furniture do you like? And, and I was met with kind of a, you know, a sheepish grin and like a blank stare. And, you know, like she doesn't know furniture styles. So, um, yeah. I, we sat down at the computer and Googled, you know, basically from, you know, as, as far as what I was familiar with, like, like Queen Anne to the present day, like, you know, all of the the different sort of evolution of furniture styles um, from period to modern and contemporary. And we looked at sort of examples of each of the furniture styles. And it was a, a chance for me to be able to kind of explain to her you know, what are the kind of characteristics of each style? And I am by no means an expert. I mean, at all. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's one of the things that I enjoy. So I was able to do a little bit of research and and we kind of went through and determined that her favorite sort of style was basically like mission arts and crafts, like that kind of style, which is, is you know, a very beautiful style. Um, and that doesn't mean that everything in our house is going to be mission style. But you know, I know that that's what she prefers. And so, um,
1: you know, cause that's I, it's a really cool exercise and yeah. actually really smart. Uh, you know, I've, I've had similar conversations with my wife about the furniture that I've built for our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the times that I incorporate her the most in the design process, uh, are the times where she's most, most thrilled with what I produce. Right. Um, you know, the bed I'm making, I'm, she loves darker wood, which I'm thrilled about. Perfect. Uh, and usually that's translated to, you know, I might use, I might use white oak and I'll stain it a dark color cause it takes stain pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, or like some of the frames that I make my favorite frame to make, I use, I use just rough cut cedar. Um, and then I distress it a little bit and put a dark stain on it and it looks really, really good. Okay. Um, but you know, I'm going to, I'm actually just going to, I really wanted to try and use the color of the wood. So I get to make the bed out of, out of Walnut. Um, But I think there's a lot of value in having those kinds of conversations. And that's a great way of incorporating a spouse into a passion and really draw them into it where they would be naturally drawn to it. You know, especially as, as a woman, they're going to be naturally drawn to the visual aspects, the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you know, including them in the design process. I promise you that if you do that, it's going to look way better than if you came up with it on your own.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that and, and uh, just some, some friendly advice. If the walnut doesn't work out, milk paint. I'm sure Carrie would love <laughs> that. Milk paint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So, so one of the projects that we have um, is we would like kind of a sofa table. Um, but more so where we are now, we do not have a whole lot of space um, because basically we we moved into sort of the basement suite that my parents have in their house. Um, And we had each, you know, like I was living in the basement suite before we got married. And so my stuff kind of filled up the basement suite and Maria was living in another basement suite with some friends of hers and her stuff kind of filled that. So when we, when we moved in together after we got married, it was, it was like, okay, we have all this stuff and not a whole lot of space to put it. Like we have a bedroom, a bathroom, and then like a living room sort of ish area. That's where everything else goes. And so we really need storage. That's the biggest thing that we have is, you know, because we don't have a lot of space, we need, we need cabinets, we need wardrobes, we need, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, in talking to her, we d- we decided that one of the things that we could build is sort of a sofa table to go behind our couch that is more than just a sofa table. Like, it, you know, we want to build cabinets into the bottom of it. And, okay, yeah. um, you know, because that's a, it's a nice way it's a. It, it would be a nice piece of furniture, it would be pleasant on the eye, and a whole lot more pleasant to look at than just piles of stuff um, everywhere. But at the same time, it, it enables us to get those piles out of the way, provides useful storage space, and right. so it's kind of a win-win-win. Um, so I designed in SketchUp um, something along those lines, and... Uh, you know, asked Maria to give me comments and stuff on it. And together, we were able to come up with a, a really neat design that I, I really like. It's definitely, um, you know, mission-inspired, arts and crafts-inspired. Um, and so, uh, like I said, I haven't gotten a chance to build it yet, but I'm really excited to work on it because I feel like this is going to be one of the projects, one of the One of the projects that I do that Maria is most invested in, because she helped to design it, she helped to, um, you know, to come up with the idea of the piece, to um, tweak some of the design aspects and things like that. And I, so I feel like, you know, it's probably going to mean more to her than a lot of the other stuff that I do, which she is of course interested in just because I am, and it's very nice of her. But you know, I feel like she's going to have more of an attachment to this piece, so I'm, I'm really eager to get started on that it'll probably still well, that, be a you know 6 months or 8 months or a year or whatever before we get started but
1: but the cool thing about that is that it's a purposeful project mm-hmm. you know there it, it's designed with purpose to serve a working function and i think those are the coolest pieces that anyone can build is is building something that truly has actual value beyond just it's, it's aesthetic beauty. Um, you know, there's certainly things that you can build that are just beautiful simply for the sake of beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, but being able to build something and then get to use it on a daily basis is really rewarding. Yeah.
0: So we've compiled a few resources that we think are going to be helpful for anyone who wants to sort of start involving their family more in activities and things. Um, one of the, one of the things that I hear a lot from people who, you know, when you talk about having your kids in the shop is people say, um, you know, I, I've had no training on having kids in the shop and I'm kind of uncomfortable with that because it seems, you know, dangerous and, and I don't even know where to begin. Well, one of the great things that you can do is, um, I know that Home Depot does this. I don't know if other places do or not, but um, Home Depot actually, they offer like Saturday workshops for kids where you can bring your kids, they work on a small project, all of the um, you know all of the materials are provided, and they build a project that's tailored specifically for children, and then they get to bring that project home at the end of the day, you know And um, I want to say that they're free. I think they're free workshops. I think you have to register.
1: That's my understanding as well.
0: Yeah. So um, whether it's like a little toolbox or a birdhouse or something, um, not only does it get them, like it gets their feet wet in terms of woodworking and it kind of puts that desire into them, but it's a good opportunity for you as a parent if you're not sure how to go about working with kids in the shop, go there and watch what the people at Home Depot do you know, Mm -hmm. because they, they obviously, they do this all the time. So I'm sure that they have their finger on the pulse of, you know, how kids work in the shop and how is best to involve them in their activities. So um, we're going to post a link in the show notes to uh, the kids workshops that Home Depot has. They have a page where they'll list it and then you can put in your store and, or your your zip code or whatever, and find um, workshops in your area. Um, we also have a few videos that we think might be helpful.
1: Yeah, so Frank Howarth recently did a dollhouse for his daughter. And the reason why we wanted to highlight it, uh, is the cool thing is that the whole project was done from a drawing that his daughter had drawn of you know, it's like I wasn't there but I can imagine it imagine it. Here, Dad, I drew this dollhouse. Can you build one for me? Mm-hmm. And the cool thing was that it wasn't like a, yeah, 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 sure, whatever, I'll get to that someday. <laughs> and it wasn't a, okay, but that's a terrible design. I'll build you a real dollhouse. Trust me, you'll like it. <laughs> just like just like Todd said in, in his interview, trust me, it'll grow on you. Um, he literally went with great care to try and design a dollhouse that mimicked as much as possible as realistically as possible, what she drew. And it was just, I mean, everything that he does is amazing. Um, I have have great uh, admiration for the work that he does, but it was such a cool video because, you know, he walked us through the process, starting with the drawing from his daughter. And that's a great example of incorporating your family into your passion, even if it doesn't necessarily mean them touching the tools themselves. Right. Right. Um, and so the cool thing about Frank's videos though, is that I don't know other than his own shop projects, every project that's an actual thing that he builds other than a shop project is for somebody else, Mm -hmm. whether it's for his family or for a wedding gift for a friend or another family member. Um, it's really, really cool. You know, think about that how many videos of his you've seen and then realize wait that wasn't for him he didn't you know it doesn't go in his office or in his shop it goes (laughs) to a family member a friend so definitely check out that video if you haven't and certainly check out many of his other ones uh, you know for for kind of inspiration there was another video that he did it may have been a year or two ago of going through the process of building uh a, a derby car for uh like boy scouts the uh the little race cars, the, the, pine, the box cars Pinewood Derby. yeah, Pinewood Derby. yeah. um, there's another series that he had done. Um, so that was one of the videos that we thought uh, you know, I think were a great illustration of of this idea of 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 being charitable with your time talent and treasure. Mm-hmm.
0: And then we had um one last video is a good example of a project that you could do with your kids. Um, and it's from uh, Steve Ramsey over at, um, woodworking for mere mortals. And, uh, he has a candle holder that he uses anytime he has to do like a project with boy scouts or, or, you know, where a bunch of kids are involved. Um, he has them make this candle holder. And, um, not only does he show you how to make it, but he talks about each step and how you can set up the shop so that you, you know, you can have one kid doing this while another kid's doing that. And, you know, he talks about how, um, each part of the candle holder introduces them to a certain tool or a certain process. Um, you know, they get to saw, they get to sand, they get to glue, they get to hammer and nail in and stuff like that. Um, and he gives helpful tips like pre-drilling holes for the nails and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's a very good example of a simple project that you can use, um, you know, uh, to, to, have your kids in the shop and have them doing something that's sort of on their skill level and really a good introduction
1: to the craft. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, There's one other one I wanted to mention. I just thought about this. It wasn't in our show notes or anything, but um, a couple, my, my, we started Cub Scouts with my, my oldest, Matthew. And so I had to go to the, the, there's a, there's an actual like scout store here locally. Okay. Uh, It's a relatively new facility. It's pretty awesome, but one of the things that I found there, it was very inexpensive. I think it was less than $5, but they have all of these kits of just basic things that you can glue together with hot glue or super glue or, you know, even any, any readily available adhesive um, that are all laser cut out of, you know, thin sheets of plywood. Oh, And so what we made was this tiny little catapult. And it is so much fun. <laughs> I mean, it can launch a Lego guy at least 20 feet across oh, across the house. I mean, it is so much awesome. fun. And so there's another, obviously, you know, an, a, another great resource of if you have a scout store in your local area, and I would guess that they might have an online store, but if not, certainly there's a supplier that provided that. Um, I'll have to, if, if I can... F- I don't have the box anymore, but I'll see if I can track it down and and provide it in the show notes. Um, but the thing is, is that, you know, especially with kids, don't get too hung up on the finished product. Right. Focus on the journey of it in that, you know, the, like the, the gun that I made, the the toy gun that I made, Matthew, like the thing looks terrible, (laughs) you know, but that's not the point. He doesn't care. um, What what he remembers is that, you know, he and dad went out in the shop and made this cool gun that allowed him to a physical manifestation of his imagination. Mm -hmm. And so it's like we kind of have to put our pride aside, especially when we're doing these projects and think about it's a it's not about us. It's about them. It's about the experience of creating something. And I promise you, they do not care nearly as much about the end product as you do. Um, so, you know, don't, don't worry too much about, well, this isn't going to look good enough or like I had to swallow my pride a little bit to buy the kit because I was like, oh, I could just make this at home. It's <laughs> like, but I didn't have time to, right. I had time to do something with Matthew. I didn't necessarily have the time to do all the prep work to make the materials. And we had just as much fun. I probably had more fun than he did flying, you know, flinging <laughs> Lego guys across the room. Um, cause it's literally, it's a seat. And it, it's, it looks like a Lego seat. The oh, Lego wow. guy fits on there perfectly. And oh, it's just, it's so much fun. Um, anyways, wanted to mention that. I'll see if I can track that down and provide it in the show notes. Cool. Uh,
0: and the end product may not look like much, but if you have a picture of that gun, I think we should put it in the show notes.
1: I, I will. It, it is pretty cool. Excellent. Cool.
0: Uh, So we would like to challenge you, as we often do, uh, to think about this in terms of your own life. How do you use your time, talent, and treasure out of charity for your family? How do you bring them into your hobby? And how do you use your hobby for their benefit as well as your own? Um, So please, you know, chime in on social media. Um, be sure to tag us, use hashtag stay virtuous. Um, all of those things help us to sort of build this community and help everybody find all of your posts and things, um, as we continue to talk about this over the next two weeks. Yep. So, um, and to that end, speaking of social media involvement, um, We would like to hear from you in terms of if you ever have any feedback on our episodes, if you have questions that you want us to answer or um, topic ideas, things that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show um, or even entire show topics, Uh, we are very much open to those. Again, it's not about us. We're just mouthpieces. You know, Um, it's really it's about you guys and we want to hear about you and, and what you want to hear if there's something that you're struggling with or if there's something that you really enjoy that's like kind of a pet project or a pet cause or, or um, you know, a virtue that you really like to practice, you know, that you like to improve upon. Um, please reach out to us. And, um, you know, we've, we've heard from so many wonderful woodworkers and non-woodworkers out there. Um, and, and we really enjoy that. That's one of the, the most fun things about this for us. So don't hesitate to reach out to us because we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Um, and also we want to thank uh, Fishing with Dynamite, which is another podcast, um, for shouting out to us in their most recent episode. Um, Fishing with Dynamite is uh, run by two friends of mine, um, Mark Guiney and Paul Beatty, uh, who are in the West Virginia, um, Eastern Panhandle, West Virginia area. And um, it's a podcast about... Uh, Catholicism in the real world. So like how they, how they live their faith as Catholics in, in like a sort of a practical way. Um, and it's, it's super entertaining. Um, even, probably even if you're not Catholic, I, I know that they have non-Catholic listeners as well. Um, but I would agree. They are, <laughs> they have the most infectious sense of humor, that I've ever heard in a podcast. I mean, you can tell that they are good friends and that they're completely comfortable around one another and, uh, you know, with their faith and, and they enjoy sharing it. And just, you can't, I defy you to listen to that podcast and not laugh out loud as you're doing it. Um, I laugh every episode, you know, and so it's, it's very nice. Um, they started, uh, a little bit before we did. And, um, so they've, they've been very helpful to us in getting going and, um, you know, giving us advice on, on some things that we can use and, and ways of, uh, just sort of managing a podcast. So we're, we're really appreciative for them and we, we appreciate the fact that they shouted out to us. So we wanted to sort of return the love there.
1: Yeah. So thank you for that. Appreciate it. Yep. All right, so uh, every episode uh, we 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 feature a craftsman um, that we think uh, emulates the the virtue that we're talking about. Well, offers a unique perspective uh, that we might not be able to offer ourselves, uh, and really highlights again, you know, going back to our mission, highlights those uh, you know who are living virtuously in the shop uh, and, and exploring. Exploring how it influences them. Uh, so, uh, this this week, this episode, we are very uh, honored and excited to introduce uh, Joseph Tyler, uh, who you can find on Instagram, at furnished by Frasati, uh, as a as a great word worker. Um, I think this year he started an Etsy shop uh, and sells a whole bunch of really, really just really quality products. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got these these huge chalkboards. Uh, with beautiful frames, uh, candle holders, uh, tea light candle holders, uh, and then makes them just exquisite crucifixes. Yes. Uh, you know, I think where I really do think there's, a, you know, you can, there's a unique uh, a design to it that is. Uh, first of all, the quality is exceptional. Um, uh, you know, the, the design is both simple, elegant and beautiful. Um, but you know, he's got a range of products. Uh, so, you know, we're very much looking forward to talking with him next week, uh, sharing that interview with the rest of you. And, uh, for those of you who haven't yet seen his work, we'd certainly encourage you to go check him out at furnished by Frisati on Instagram, as well as I think that's where you'd find him on Etsy. If you'd be interested in looking at any of the products that he makes.
0: Right. And Facebook, I think it's, it's also furnished by Frisati. Um, perfect. And I, I don't want to speak to this too much because we haven't gotten a chance to interview him yet. And I know that he's going to say more about it than what I know, but I believe to whatever degree his family is involved in his woodworking business. Um, I think he's, he's posted stuff on Instagram about them ha- helping him pack up orders and, um, stuff like that. So I'm really yep. excited to hear about how he manages to include them in the process. And I think that's going to be very valuable for our listeners to hear. Yep. Same here. So we're excited for that. Joseph, we're coming for you.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> So
0: I think that wraps it up for today, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, so next episode will be the woodworkers journey and faith. I'm excited and for that. We are very, very excited about it for, for a multitude of reasons. But when we first started this podcast, our, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of really great ideas, but we wanted to start with these seven virtues. Um, of of prudence, fortitude, justice, temperance, faith, hope, and charity. And so this will be our seventh actual episode, aside from the interviews, uh, ending with uh, ending with faith <clears throat> and and how it ties into our journeys in, you know, in woodworking, but you know, obviously, faith is a lifelong thing. Woodworking, you know, hopefully for for most of us can be also a lifelong pursuit and it's all about the journey, um, you know, the the journey itself and not necessarily the end result or the product, because if we think about woodworking as a whole, it is a journey that, that extends beyond just a single project, just as our faith does. And so we wanted to look and explore those two things uh, in, in tandem and really hopefully tie all of the the last six episodes together looking at you know all the virtues uh, collectively so uh we're very much looking forward to that uh, and that's what we'll be covering in the next episode so as always you can find us on arborvitaepodcast.com uh on instagram at VT podcast and then on facebook as well uh Jonathan this is me right so you can find me on Instagram at the catholic woodworker uh you can find Adam at the uh at catholic composer on Instagram and uh we very much look forward to uh this Christmas coming up here in a couple of days uh so we wish all of you a very merry christmas uh blessings to all of you and your families and uh we will we'll talk to you in a week yep so as always stay virtuous I can do this. I promise I can do this. Take three. Take two. I think the Holy Spirit wants us to have more outtakes.
0: <laughs> I'd be okay with that. All right. Which brings us to this week's episode uh, topic.
1: oh boy. <laughs> we have to share these now, though, because we just talked about this last last episode.
0: We do.